Live in joy. Live in joy in love, even among those who hate. Live in joy. L- live in joy in health, even among the afflicted. Live in joy in peace, even among the troubled. Live in joy without pessimism. Without positions like the shining ones. The winter snows hatred. The winter snows hatred because the loser suffers. Let go of winning and losing and find joy. <clears throat> meditate on those, meditate on these. Thoughts of Gautama the Buddha. He is one of the most joyous persons ever. These satras will give you immense insight into the heart of this weakened man, this awakened man. <clears throat> satras, satras, these satras. What satras mean? Sutras, I guess. Sutra. Okay, once again. Meditate on these sutras of Gautama the Buddha. He is one of the most joyous person ever. These sutras will give you immense insight into the heart of his awakened man. Of this awakened man. Live in joy, in love, even among those who hate. Joy is the key word of these verses. Joy is not happiness, because happiness is always mixed with unhappiness. It is never found in purity, it is always polluted, it always has a long shadow. Of misery behind it, just as day is followed by night, happiness is followed by unhappiness. Then, what is joy? Joy is a state of transcendence. One is neither happy nor unhappy, but utterly peaceful, quiet, in absolute equilibrium, equilibrium, equilibrium. So silent, and so so silent, and so alive, that one's silence is a song. That one's song is nothing but one's silence. Joy is forever. Happiness is momentary. Happiness is caused by the outside; hence, can be taken away from the outside. You have to depend on others. And ma- and any dependence is ugly, and dependence is a bondage. Joy arises within. It has nothing to do with the outside. It is not caused by others. It is not caused at all. It is the tremendous flow of your own energy. If your energy is stagnant, there is no joy. 
if your energy becomes a flow, a movement, a river, there is great joy. For no other reason, just because you become more fluid, more flowing, more alive. A song is born in your heart, and the great ecstasy arises. It is a surprise when it arises, because you cannot find any cause of it. It is the most mysterious experience in life, something uncaused, something beyond the law of cause and effect. It need, it need not be caused, because it is your intrinsic nature. You are born with it. It is something inborn. It is you. In your totality, flow, flowering, flowing. Whenever you are flowing, you are flowering. You are flowing towards the ocean. That is the joy, the dance of the river moving towards the ocean to meet the un, to meet the ultimate beloved. When your life is a stagnant pool, you are simply dying. You are not moving anywhere. No ocean, no hope. But when you are flowing, the ocean is drawing closer every moment. And the closer the river comes, the more dance there is, the more ecstasy there is. Your consciousness is a river. Buddha has called it a continuum. It is a continuity, an eternal continuity, an eternal flow. Buddha has never thought about you and your being as something static. In his vision, the word being is not right. According to him, being is nothing but becoming. He denies being, he accepts becoming, because being gives you an idea of something static inside you, like a rock. Becoming gives you a total, diff, totally different idea, like a river, like a lotus opening, like a sunrise. Something is continually happening, something is constantly happening. You're not sitting there like a rock. You are growing. Buddha changes the whole metaphysics. He replaces being with becoming. He replaces things by processes. He replaces nouns with verbs. Live in joy. Live in your own innermost nature with absolute acceptance of whatsoever you are. Don't try to manipulate yourself according to others' ideas. Just be yourself, your authentic nature, and joy is bound to arise. It wells up within you when, you, when the tree is taken care of, watered, looked after. It naturally blooms one day. When the spring comes, there is great flowering. So, is it with man? Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Find the right soil for your being. Find the right climate. 
and go deeper and deeper into yourself. Don't explore the world, explore your nature, because by exploring the world, you may have many positions, but you will not be a master. However, by exploring yourself, you may not have many positions, but you will be a master. It, it is better to be a master of yourself than to be a master of the whole world. Live in joy, in love. And one who lives in joy naturally lives in love. Love is the fragrance of the flower of joy. Inside, there is joy. You cannot contain it. There is so much, it is unbearable. If you try to be misery about it, you will feel pain. Joy can be so much that if you don't share it, it can become suffering, it can become pain. Joy has to be shared. By sharing it, you are unburdened. By sharing it, you find new sources opening up within you. New streams, new, new springs. That's, that sharing of your joy is love. Hence, one thing, has be to, one thing has to be remembered. You cannot love unless you have attained it to joy. And millions of people go on doing that. They want to love and they don't know anything about what joy is. Then their love is hollow empty, meaningless. Then their love brings despair, misery, anguish. It creates hell. Unless you have joy, you can't be in love. You have nothing to give. You are a, bag you are a beggar yourself. First, you need to be a king, and your joy will make you a king. First, you need to be a king, and your joy will make you a king. When you are reading joy, when you are radiating joy, when, you, when your hidden secrets are no longer secrets, but are flowering in the, world, in the wind, in the rain, in the sun, when your, when your imprisoned splendor is released, when your misery has become an open phenomenon, when it is vibrating around you, pulsating around you. Pulsating around you. When it is your breath in your heartbeat, then you can love. Then you touch dust and the dust is transformed into the divine, then whatever you touch becomes gold. Ordinary problems, ordinary pebbles is in your hand. Ordinary pebbles in your hand will be transformed, transmuted into diamonds, emeralds. Ordinary pebbles people touched by you will not be ordinary anymore. One who has attained joy becomes 
a source of great, a great transformation for many people. His flame has been lit. Now he can help others. The, the unlit flames coming closer to the one who has become after with joy. It can also become lit. As you come closer, the flame jumps into you and you are never the same again. Love is possible only when your flame is lit. Otherwise, you are a dark continent and you are pretending to give light to others. Love is light, hate is darkness. You are dark within and trying to give light to others. You will only succeed in giving them more darkness and they are already in darkness. You will multiply their darkness. You will make them more miserable. Don't try to do that because it is impossible. It is not according to the nature of things. It can't happen. You can hope, but all your hope is in vain. First, be filled with joy. Live in joy, in love, even among those who hate. And then it is not a question of what others do to you. Then you can love even those who hate you. Then you can live in love and joy even amongst enemies. It is not just a question of loving those who, have, who love you. It is not just a question of loving those who, you, who, loves you, who love you. It is not just a question of loving those who love you. This is very ordinary. That is business-like, a bargain. The real love is to love those who hate you. Right now, even to love those who love you is not possible because you don't know what joy is. But when you know joy, the miracle happens, the magic. Then you are capable of loving those who hate you. In fact, it is no longer a question of loving somebody or some, somebody or not loving somebody because you become love. You don't have anything else left. In the Quran, I've heard there is a statement, hate the devil. A great Sufi mystic woman, Rabia, cancel that line from her Quran. Hassan, another famous mystic, was staying with Rabia. He saw Rabia doing it. He said, what are you doing? The Quran cannot be corrected. That is blasphemy. Blasphemy. You cannot cut any statement from the Quran. Quran. It is perfect as it is. There is no possibility of any improvement. What are you doing? Rabia said, Hassan, I have to do it. It is not a question of Quran. It is something totally different. Since I've known God, I cannot hate. It is not a question of the devil. I simply cannot hate. 
Even if the devil comes in front of me, I will love him because now I can only love. I'm incapable of hate that has disappeared. If one is full of light, he can give you only light. Whether you are a friend or an enemy, does not matter. From where, Rivia says, can I bring darkness to throw on the devil? It is no longer anywhere. I'm light. My light will fall on the devil as much as on God. Now for me, there is no God and no devil. I cannot even make a distinction. My whole being is transformed into love. Nothing is left. I'm not, con- I'm not correcting the Quran. Who am I to correct it? But this statement is no longer relevant to me. And this is my copy. I'm not correcting anybody else's Quran. I have the right to correct my copy according to myself. This statement hits me hard whenever I come across it. I cannot make any sense out of it. Hence, I am correcting it out. I am crossing it out. One who is full of joy and love don't help. One who is full of joy and love can't help. One loves friends. One loves enemies. It is not a question of decision. Love is now like breathing. Will you stop breathing if an enemy comes to see you? You, Will you say, how can I breathe in front of my enemy? Will you say, how can I breathe because my enemy is also breathing and that air that has passed through his lung may enter into mine. I can't breathe. You will suffocate. You will die. It will be suicide and utterly stupid. On the way, a moment comes when love is just like breathing, the breathing of your soul. You can you go on loving in this light. You can understand Jesus' statement: "Love your enemies as yourself." If you ask Buddha. He will say, there is no need to do such a thing because you don't do otherwise. You can't do otherwise. You have to love. In fact, you are love. So wherever you are, in flowers, in thorns, in the dark night, in the full moon, moon tide, in misery surrounding you, like an ocean or in great success, it does not matter. You becomes, you remain love. Everything else becomes immaterial. Your love becomes something of the eternal. It continues. You may accept it. You may not accept it, but you can't hate. You have to be your true nature. Live in joy, in health, even among the afflicted. By health, 
Buddha means wholeness. The healed person is a healthy person. A healed person is a whole person. By health, Buddha does not mean the ordinary medical definition of the term. His meaning is not medical, it is meditational. Although you will be surprised to know that the word meditation and medicine both come from the same root. Medicine heals you physically. Medicine, heal, medicine heals. Medicine, medicine heals you physically. Meditation heals you spiritually. Both are healing processes. Both bring health. But Buddha is not talking about the health of the body. He is talking about the health of your soul. Be whole. Be total. Don't be fragmentary. Don't be divided. Be an individual, literally, indivisible, one piece. People are not one piece. There are many fragments, fragments somehow holding themselves together. They can fall apart at any moment. They are all Humpty Dumpties, just bundled of many things. Any new situations and any new danger, any insecurity, and they can fall apart. Your wife dies, or you go bankrupt, or you are unemployed. Any small thing can prove to be the last straw. The difference is only of degree. Somebody is Somebody is simmering. Somebody is simmering at 98 degrees. Somebody is 99. Somebody may be at 99.9 degrees. But the difference is only the uh, difference is only of degree, and any small thing can change the balance. You can go on insane at any moment because. Inside, you are already a crowd. So many desires, so many dreams, so many people are living in you. If you watch carefully, you will not find one person inside, but many faces changing every moment. It is as if you are just a marketplace where so many people are going and coming, so much noise. And nothing makes sense. You go on accumulating. Your childhood is the closest to Buddhahood. Your childhood is the closest to Buddhahood. As you grow old, you grow insane. As you grow old, you go farther and farther away from Buddhahood. It is really a very strange state. It should not be so. One should grow toward Buddhahood, but people grow in just the opposite direction. Buddha says, Live in joy, in health, even among the afflicted. This is a very important sutra to remember. 
more so because the Christians are creating a totally wrong approach to life. They say, when there is so much misery in the world, how can you be joyous? Sometimes they come to me and they say, people are starving and people are poor. How can you teach people to dance and sing and be joyous? There are so many people afflicted with so many diseases. And you teach people meditation? That is selfishness. But that's exactly what Buddha is saying. Live in joy, in peace, even among the troubled. You cannot change the whole world. You have a small lifespan. It will be gone soon. You cannot make it a condition that I will rejoice only when the whole world has changed and everything is happy. That is never going to happen. And it is not within your capacity to do it either. If the only way you can be happy is to have everybody else happy, then you are never going to be happy. Buddha is stating a simple fact. He is not saying don't help people, but rather by being ill yourself, you cannot help them. By being poor yourself, you cannot help the poor, although the poor will worship you because they will see how great a saint you are. The worshipped Mat Mahatma Gandhi for the sheer reason that he tried to live like a poor man. But just by living like a poor man, you are not going to help the poor. If the doctor also fails ill to help his patients, will you call him a saint? You will just call him stupid because this is the time he needs all his health so that he can be helpful to people. This is strange logic, but it has prevailed down the, down the centuries that if you want to help the poor, be poor, live a poor life, live just like the poor. Of course, the poor people will give you great respect and honor, but that is not going to help the poor. It will only, only fulfill your ego. And any ego fulfilled creates misery for you, not joy. Live in joy, in health, even among the afflicted. Live in joy, in peace, even among the troubled. That is the only way to help, the only way to serve. First, be selfish. First, transform yourself. Your life in peace, in joy, in health can be a great source of nourishment for people who are starving for spiritual food. People are not really starving for material things. Material richness is very simple. Just a little more technology, a little more science, and people can be rich. The real problem is how to be inwardly rich. And when you are outwardly rich, you will be surprised for the first time. You become more acutely, more keenly aware of your inner poverty. For the first time, you 
for the first time, all meaning in life disappears when you are outwardly rich. Because in contrast, your inner poverty can be seen more clearly. Outside, there is light all around, and inside, you are a dark island. The rich man feels his poverty more than the poor person. The rich man feels his poverty more than the poor person. Because the poor person has no contrast. Outside there is darkness. Inside there is darkness. He knows darkness is what life is. But when there is light outside, you become desirous of a new phenomenon. You long for inner light. When you see that richness is possible outside, why can't you be rich inside? Live in joy without possessions, like the shining ones. Enjoy the world, enjoy the sun, the moon, the stars, the flowers, the sky, the earth. Live in joy and peace. Without possessiveness. Don't possess, use, but don't possess because the possessor cannot use. The possessor really becomes possessed by his own possessions. That's why so many rich people become so miserable. They live in a poor life. They have all the money in the world, but they have live but they live in a poor way. The rich man, the rich, the richest man in the world just a few decades ago was the Nizam of Hyderabad. The richest man in the world, in fact, his riches were so great that nobody has ever been able to estimate how much he had. His treasures were full of. Diamonds, everything was made of diamonds. Even his paper rights was the biggest diamond in the world. The Kohinoor is only one third the size of his paper right. When he died, his Paperweight, paperweight was found in his shoe. The diamonds were not counted because there were so many. They were weighed, not counted. How many kilos, not how many diamonds. Who could count? Each year, the diamonds were brought out of the basement. He had the biggest palace in India. But all the roofs were not enough because his diamonds were spread on the roofs of his palace just to give them a little sunlight every year. But the man lived a life of such misery. You cannot believe it. Even beggars live far better. How you, he used to collect cigarettes.
He used to collect cigarettes that others had already smoked and thrown away. Just cigarettes, but he would not purchase cigarettes for himself. He would collect these cigarettes and smoke them. Such a miser. For 50 years, he used only a single cap. It was so dirty and stinking. He died in the He died in the same cap. He never used to change his clothes. And it is said that he used to purchase his clothes from the second hand marketplace where old rotten things, used things, are sold. His shoes must have been the dirtiest in the world, but he would only spend them once, send them once in a while for repair. He would not purchase new shoes. Now, the richest man in the world living in such misery and miseryness, what had happened to this man? Possessiveness. Possessiveness was his disease, his mania. He wanted to possess everything. He would purchase diamonds all over the world. Wherever there were diamonds, his agent was there to purchase them. Just have more and more. But you cannot eat diamonds. And he was eating the poorest kind of food. He was so afraid that he was unable to sleep at all. In constant fear that somebody might steal from him. That's how the paperweight, the Costliest diamond that he had, three times greater in weight than the Kohinoor, was found in his shoe. When he was dying, he had hidden it in his shoe so nobody could steal it. Otherwise, the paper right, paperweight would be too visible. Too much in front of the eyes of people. Even dying, he was more concerned with the diamond than with his own life. He could never give anything to anybody. This happens to people who become possessive. They don't use things, they are used by things. They are not masters, they are servants of their own things. They go on accumulating and they die without ever having enjoyed all that they had. Live in joy, without possessions, like the shining shoes, like the shining ones. Live like the Buddhas, who don't possess a thing but can use everything. The world has to be used, not possessed. We come empty handed and we go empty handed. So there is no point in possessing anything. <laughs> to be possessive is ugly. But use everything while you are alive. Use the world. Enjoy everything the world makes available. And then go without looking back, without clinging to things. The intelligent person uses life and uses it beautifully. Theoretically, theoretically, 
sensitively. Then the world has many treasures for them. He never becomes attached because the moment you become attached, you have fallen asleep. The winter snows hated. The winter snows hatred because the loser suffers. Let go of winning and losing and find joy. How to find joy? Let your ambition disappear. Ambition is the barrier. Ambition means an ego trip. I want to be this. I want to be that. More money, more power, more prestige. But remember, the winner sows hatred. The winner sows Winner sows, winner sows hatred because the winter sows hatred because the loser suffers. Let go of winning and losing and find joy. If you want to find joy, forget about winning and losing like it's a play, a game. Play it beautifully. Forget all about losing and winning. The real sportsmanship, the real sportsman's spirit is not that of winning or losing. That is not his real concern. He enjoys playing. That is the real player. If you are playing to win, you will play with tension, anxiety. You are not concerned with the play itself, its joy, and its misery. You are more concerned with the with the outcome. This is not the right way to live in the world. You are more concerned with the outcome. This is not the right way to live in the world. Live in the world without any idea of what's going to happen. Whether you are going to be a winner or a loser, it doesn't matter. Death takes everything away. Whether you lose or win, is immaterial is immaterial the only thing that matters and it has always been so is how you play the game did you enjoy it the game itself then each moment is a moment of joy wow it's great